So welcome. So glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, we're glad that you can join us as well. It is fun. And we love these videos. And I'll talk about this a little bit in a, more, in, in a second. But it's so great to be here together. So I miss seeing your faces. Thanks so much for wearing your masks, right? It's no fun. But, um, but we appreciate it. And welcome to you online. We're just glad that we can be here together. So we love this technology that allows us to worship as a congregation, right? We all can't wait to be back in the building together, but we get to worship together as a congregation through technology. And so we're thrilled to be able to do that. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. So my wife and I have been here for 26 years, and more than half of that has been on staff. And there's two things that we know about FAC. One, it's not at all a perfect church, right? We've all experienced the lack of perfection here as a church, and we share that in common with every other church in the world. And two, there's just no other place we'd rather be. This is our church home, and we are thrilled to be here. So welcome to you, and welcome to our family. So we're in the second week of Advent, and I know a lot of you love to follow along in an outline, and so you can follow that outline through our app. You can find that at FAC Mobile, and that's all one word, or you can find that through the streaming portion of our online website, and that's in the public notes section. So if you want to follow along with that, you're welcome to. So we're in the second week of Advent, and Advent's been a lot of fun, right? We, we love Advent this, this time of the season. And so last week we talked about hope, and hope, the idea of hope was that if we don't have hope in Jesus, everything is hopeless. And so today we'll unpack what peace is and peace in Christ is, and then through the rest of the year we'll deal with joy and love and the church as we work out the rest of the Advent season. And so we're especially in that we're especially excited for Christmas Eve, and we hope that you'll join us for that, and we hope that you will invite everyone that you know to come and join us. And so we're hosting it outside that we don't have to worry about crowds, we don't have to worry about registration, and you can just come. We have fire pits, we'll have hot apple cider, we'll have Christmas carols, and we'll have candlelight uh, services for the last two, and we just hope that you can join us and bring people along with you. And then, in addition to being excited about the rest of this year, we're excited to kick off the beginning of next year with a fantastic new series called Unstoppable. And if you want to see somebody who's unstoppable about this, just talk to Pastor Marty about how excited he is about this series. So we hope that you can join us. All right, so when we look at what's missing in this season, it probably feels like everything is missing. Everything. And certainly, we're missing peace and you think about what's missing around the topic of peace, uh, there's no peace around the election. There's no peace around race. There's no peace around school. There's no peace around college. There's no peace around our jobs. Maybe there's no peace around our family. There's no peace around our finances. There's no peace around our future, perhaps. And so we look at that, and that's why I loved these videos from the Bible Project. You know, they wrap up everything in just a few minutes that I'm kind of tempted to just say, well, in conclusion, I have nothing to add to this. We're going to go home, right? Um, so it'll take, you know, what they do in three minutes, it'll take me the next hour to, uh, to land on. And I can only see your eyes, but there's fear in them that that might be true. So... So what I appreciate about that video is that they explain the concept of true peace. And so there are many ways that we use peace, and there are many words in the Bible that speak of peace, but in today's context, we're talking about true peace as being the wholeness 
of something where nothing needs to be added and nothing needs to be taken away. It's the repair of what's broken, and it's true intimacy with God. All right, so in Hebrew, it's shalom. And I love that when you talk to someone in Israel and they say hello to you, they say shalom, right? They wish you wholeness. Or in Greek, it's arena. And so we'll be looking at both the Old Testament and the New Testament today. And so if you want to turn your Bibles in advance, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9 and the first two chapters in the book of Luke. So you can turn there. And so again, true peace is being made whole with nothing more and nothing less. And so today, as we look at the concept of peace, everything is going to hang from this main idea, and that is that Jesus is our missing piece. And so to understand the wholeness of peace, we have to have a little history lesson. And so we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning and the creation story. And so at that time, there was peace. There was shalom. And so God looked at everything that he had created and he determined that there was nothing that he needed to add to it and there was nothing that he needed to take away from it. It was complete. And he declared it very good and he rested. And so I love, when I talk to my wife about this, she pointed something out. You know, we have an amazing women's ministry here and Carol Batten is our women's ministry director and she does such a fantastic job. And, and Carol and her volunteers have done an amazing job of keeping women connected and biblically fed during this crazy season. And so right now on Monday nights, they are hosting an Advent Bible study here in person and online through Zoom. And my wife has been attending it and she has loved every minute. And so when I mentioned this, she said, you know, you should really read this quote about peace and shalom as part of creation. And so she shared this with me. It says this, In the beginning there was peace, and peace wasn't equated with stillness, but with nearness to God. God walked with his people in the garden in the cool of the day, and all was just as it was meant to be. And I love that quote, and I think it points to what we talked about last week, where we all recognize that something is missing deep in our souls. And if those of us who are here and those of us who are watching online haven't realized this yet, we will at some point. And so I think the thing that we recognize that is missing is beyond that, and it's that we recognize that at one point there was nothing missing, and everything was complete. Everything had shalom. And then sin came into the equation. And so while we were created in the image of God, our nearness with God was diminished. And it left every human being with a God-sized hole in our hearts. And God recognized this, and he knows that he is the thing that is missing, and that is why he sent his son to be our peace and to make us whole. And so out of this concept, I just have two quick points to make. And so the first thing is this. There's peace in the Christmas story. And so I love the Christmas story, and I think we probably all love the Christmas story, and I love the fact that all through the Old Testament, there are many points of where prophets speak to the Christmas story. And I just want to talk about two of them. And the first one is Isaiah, the second one is Malachi. And so if we look at Isaiah 9-6, we'll see this verse that we're all very familiar with, and it says this, For unto us is born a child, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. And I love that a thousand years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would bring the shalom of completeness to all of us. And he said that Jesus would be this Messiah and he would make us whole. And so with this verse, I can't help but point out as a pastor the theological construct that kind of is foundational. So certainly it says that the Messiah will bring shalom, but it also says that God is shalom. And so when we look at this verse, we see that the wonderful counselor is God the Holy Spirit, and the everlasting Father is God the Father, and the Son is the Prince of Peace, and together they are whole. Nothing more, nothing less needs to be added, and they are the mighty God. So that was just a brief look at Isaiah and then Malachi. I love Malachi, right? So Isaiah is a major prophet and Malachi is a minor prophet. The only difference there is that Isaiah used a lot of words, right? We took what he wrote and divided it into 60 chapters and we took what Malachi wrote and we divided it into three chapters. And so he's considered a minor prophet because his book is very short. And so Malachi wrote essentially an indictment through what God prompted him to say against the nation of Israel and in particular the priests who were leading God's chosen people. And so I love how Marty said two weeks ago, he said, every defeat in scripture is followed by victory. And so Malachi points out the defeat of the people in many ways brought on by God because he's so disappointed in what they have done and in who they are and the way that they've led the people that he chose to be his. But I love beyond that the prophecy of Malachi who foreshadows the victory in Malachi 3.1 where he says, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. This is the Lord of hosts. So God sends his prophecy through Malachi and then God says, Nothing absolutely nothing for 400 years. So have any of you ever endured silent treatment? Maybe you're here and you had a little tiff on the way in, right? You're not necessarily talking to the person next to you. Or maybe you have a relationship in which you haven't spoken to that person in years. And you know better than all of us what it means to have something broken, to have an intimacy that has been damaged, that is incomplete, that has no shalom. Or have you ever had to wait on God for something? You know, I certainly have. And I want my answers in seconds. And if I don't get them in seconds, I want them in minutes. And if not in minutes, I want them in hours, or days, or weeks, or months. And there have been times I've had to wait that long. But not to get an answer from God for years, for decades, for centuries. That's the way that it was for Israel in this time. And they knew that their relationship with God was broken and there was no shalom. And so that's why I think that the peace that's found in the Christmas story is so significant. You see, the prophecy in Malachi and then the 400-year wait brings us to this priest named Zechariah who was just serving faithfully. So imagine as a priest who hasn't heard of, heard from God for 400 years and you come up in this line waiting with great anticipation that God will speak and he doesn't speak and he doesn't speak and he doesn't speak. 
and then you're just serving faithfully in the temple one day, 400 years into this process. And an angel of the Lord comes to you and he says, your wife Elizabeth is going to give birth to a son and he will pave the way for the Messiah. And I just love the faithfulness of Zechariah in this. And so when their son, John the Baptist, right, we've all heard of him, when their son, John the Baptist, was born, God fills Zechariah with prophecy and he blesses his son. And so imagine this old man who never expected that he would have a son at this age holding that little boy. And he looks at him and and he prophesies over him and he blesses him with the great blessing of a father. And so the blessing is very long and I'm just going to point out two verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 76 and 79, where he says this. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so we're in the New Testament now. So the shalom of Hebrew switches to arene in Greek. And so Zechariah says, you, my son, will lead us into peace. You'll lead us into completeness. You'll lead us into arene, where all the essential parts will be joined together in the Messiah. I love that. And then the Christmas story continues as angels meet shepherds in their fields by night. And they declare that Jesus will bring completeness to the entire earth. So we've probably all seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And we love it. And every year it's on television, and every year somehow we manage to watch it, I think. And, and so every year Linus comes out and says, Charlie Brown, I can explain this. And he reads these verses, and I think maybe we've heard them so many times that we just kind of miss the implication of these verses. And so with the concept of peace in our peaceless lives, why don't we listen to this? So we ask Cassidy to come out. And Cassidy, can you read this for us? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Thank you. So the Christmas story brings peace. It brings wholeness, brings completeness to the entire world. And it brings it even in the midst of a terrible Roman oppression that was so bad that within the next two years from this moment, the king would order all the little boys in the land, in that area, to be killed to make sure that they don't rise up and become the next king. And on top of that, they had this heavy oppression of religion that drew them away from relationship with God. And on top of that, they had the scandal of a teenage pregnancy and an overcrowded town that didn't leave them enough room in the inn and not enough money to allow them to pay their way into some room somewhere. Somewhere. 
So they had to spend their night in a hollowed-out cave filled with animals. And they had to deliver their baby boy in that place and lay him in a feeding trough that animals would have eaten out of that morning. And so even in the midst of that, we recognize that God still brought peace to all of creation. And so if there is peace in that story, there is peace in our story. And so just to point out again, biblical peace is not the absence of war. Biblical peace that we're talking about is not coming home from a long day's work or a long week or a long month or a long year like we've had and saying, I need peace and quiet. It's not the culture of the 60s where we slide a flower in the barrel of a gun and we say we need peace and love. It's not the culture of 2020 where it's the absence of a racial protest or any kind of protest. In fact, I would love to see our culture lay the idea of shalom and arene and peace over race where we look at each person and we don't deal with or we don't wrestle with or we don't value or determine someone's value based on their nation of origin or their ethnicity or the color of their skin or where they were born or how they were born. And we look at them and we see that they are equal and they add value to our society. And the thing that we recognize is that our nation isn't hurting because we have the wrong laws. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Our nation is hurting because something is missing. And racial peace makes us a whole nation. Biblical peace points out what's missing when we're incomplete. And so tomorrow, I'll speak at a funeral of a dear friend's father. And their family is incomplete because of his passing. Or am I the only one who watches uh, either online or at halftime of a football game? We all have seen this before, right? A soldier goes off to war, gets deployed, goes into battle, fights honorably, and then sneaks home and walks up behind his wife or his daughter or his parents and surprises them for Christmas. And their family is suddenly made whole in that moment. Or how about... Uh, the movie Jerry Maguire. Anybody ever seen that movie, Jerry Maguire? All right, so, so Jerry Maguire is in love with Dorothy Boyd, and, and so he recognizes this, and so he gets up his nerve, and he walks into a room with Dorothy Boyd and a whole lot of other women. And he opens it up, and he says, hello, and then he begins to explain all the things that he values in her and cares for about her and how he loves her, and he ends with, he says, I love you, you complete me. And she says, we all know the line, you had me at hello, right? And all the women get misty and all the guys roll their eyes, right? <laughs> but see, Jerry Maguire understood that his love for Dorothy Boyd was incomplete without Dorothy Boyd. And Jesus recognizes the same thing about us. And Jesus left his, us his peace so that we would be whole. And so I love John 14, 27. It says this. Jesus confirms this. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he says the peace of the world isn't enough for you. It will always leave you wanting. But my peace, that is what completes you. Or John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. See, when we are complete in Jesus, there is no room for anything else. And so, I'm going to guess that somewhere here or watching online, there's someone that says, hey, I, I have a question. Maybe there's some conflict in Scripture. What about Matthew 10, 34, where Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. What about that? And so, I say, great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> So I love John Piper's answer to this because John Piper points out, he's a, he's a fantastic modern-day theologian, and he points out that, yes, Jesus did bring a sword, but he brought a sword to separate us from the thing that we love the most, ourselves. And so I want to share this quote with you. He says, This is what Jesus meant by bringing a sword, not peace. It means he comes into the world as the supreme beauty and supreme joy and supreme value of the universe. And he comes with absolute supreme authority, and therefore he claims in every family and in every business and in every school and in every church and in every political party and in every nation a superior allegiance, a superior love. And so, with the sword of his supremacy... He cuts every affection and every allegiance to family or business or school or church or political party or nation which would compete with him for supreme place in our hearts. You see, God removes the extra in our lives to make us whole. And I think that this quote points out that he loves us enough to remove whatever it is that gets between us and him. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I feel like I've had a year where I've experienced this in my own life. And so I've never considered myself an anxious person. If, if you spend any time with me, I'm not a big worrier. I don't fret much until quarantine set in. And then I think I went a little nuts. And I found myself working 12 and 14 and 16 hour days. And when I wasn't working as a pastor, I was working in our house or around our house or about our house just to keep my mind from unraveling. And I tried to control everything, anything that I possibly could in this time. And so maybe you experience this a little bit too this season, or maybe you experience this every day. So after a few weeks of this, I was starting to get concerned and, and I happened upon an article. There's a, a guy who posts every day that I follow. He's a, a, a pastor. And so he just happened to be interviewing a prominent therapist for a completely unrelated subject. And so he's interviewing this therapist, and in the middle of the interview, he sits down. He's already sitting, sorry. He says to the pastor, he says, I, I think that I know what it is and how it is that you deal with stress and anxiety. And so the pastor says, well, that's not at all the subject of what we're talking about, but go ahead, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And he says, you deal with it through control and through work. 
And I read this for me in my own heart, and I realized that God was working to separate me from the extra in my life so that I only dealt with him. And for me, it was a seminal moment to recognize that. And so I started to dig into Scripture for what this meant because I realized that I was living out life and I was missing God because I was filled with this anxiety and I was living out of the absence of peace. And so God faithfully brought me to Philippians 4, 7, uh, 4, verses 4 through 7. I'll talk about verse 7 in a second. And this is what it says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I love that passage, and I especially love verse 7, because it says, the peace of God, the wholeness of God, the arena of God will complete you to a point where you are filled beyond what you can even comprehend, beyond what you can understand. And it will guard your heart and your mind. And so why does something need to be guarded? It's because it's filled with a treasure. And so when something is full, there's no room for anything else. And so why was I anxious? It was because I made room for anxiousness. Why do we worry? It's because we make room for worry. Why do we fear? It's because we make room for fear. When our lives are full of Jesus, they're complete and there's no room for anything else. So, the older I get, the more average I realize that I am. And so, this is a hard thing for me. And so, maybe you're average like me and this is hard for you. And so, we want to give you a moment here to kind of reflect on this reflect on the concept of peace and wholeness and completeness in Christ. And so the team's going to come out and we're going to sing a song and they're going to just pray over you through this song, this prayer of blessing. And so last week we talked about the posture of our hearts and what that means and what that looks like. And so I just want to kind of take you through a little exercise maybe to help you understand what that posture looks like. So imagine if I sent you a text right now and I said, meet me in the atrium next to the tree. I have a gift for you. It's that thing you always wanted. And so you walk out into the atrium, and I'm standing there with a gift in my hand, and surrounding me are all the people that you really love in life. And we're all smiling, and we're all excited, and I'm standing there with this gift, and it is that thing, you're sure, that thing you've always wanted. And as you walk up to me and I, I walk toward you and I go to hand it to you, you put out your hands with excitement and anticipation of receiving this gift. And so that's the posture of our heart right now that I want to challenge us all to have as they pray and sing this blessing over us.
can keep you Make his face shine upon you And be gracious to you The Lord turn his face toward you And give you peace The Lord bless you And keep you Make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence 
take us through a pathway and a process, just four steps to peace. And this is what they say. They say, rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. No matter what, you always rejoice in the Lord. Let nothing steal you, steal your joy. The second thing, always let people understand that you are reasonable and what the spirit of your law is, not the letter of your law. Not the forest for the trees. Jesus attacked the Pharisees and the Sadducees with this all the time. He said one time, I love this, he said, you're so concerned about the letter of the law that you strain out a gnat. You're so concerned about this little tiny bug and then you end up swallowing the entire camel. I love that. 
And then the third thing, we make it seem so easy, but it says don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. Just don't be anxious. And then lastly, pray about everything. And I love the way Scripture puts this. It says pray with supplication and thanksgiving. So supplication, beg God, but always do it while giving thanks. And when we do that, there is a peace and a wholeness that is beyond our comprehension. It's amazing, and it fills us so there's no space for anything else. That's the peace of the Lord. That's the peace we want to leave here with today. So let me pray over you. Lord God, thank you so much for today and the way that you complete us with peace. And God, I pray your anointing over every single person here, every single person online, every single person who hears this in the future. God, fill us with your peace. You sent your son into the Christmas story to complete us. And he does, because there is peace in the Christmas story, and there is peace in our story. God, we praise your name for who you are. We love you, Lord, in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord.